a little funny story that I heard, and it's not my story. Um, I heard this from Dutch Sheets, and I thought it was really funny. So he was talking about some friends of his that they would gather. A couple of different churches would get together, and they would go to this other church that had been shut down a few years earlier. And so that when they were going to do this celebration, they would you know eat there and you know and worship there and everything. And so they would, everybody would come together, you know, the week before, and they would clean. And they would be cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. And then the, the, the night of, they would come in and they would, they would you know, have a meal and worship. So the pianist comes and sits down and he starts playing and he, you know, and he hears people, you know, he, he can't see the congregation because it's a big upright that's piano that's in the church that stays there. And so he's playing and all he can see is out of the corner of his eye, he can see people like, you know, jumping up and down and he's thinking, oh, wow, this is so amazing. And so he's just playing and just kicking out that music and kicking out that music. And then all of a sudden he sees out of, out of the corner of his eye, there's people jumping up on the pews and he was like, yeah, they're into it. And he's just going, going, going. And all of a sudden his wife comes up behind him and says, rats, there's rats coming out of the piano. <laughs> so after that, they made sure that they cleaned the piano from that point on. So I thought that was a little cute little funny story. And I wanted to start the day off light because not everything is light. <laughs> and um, let's uh, open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for those that are here and those that will be listening. Lord, we ask that you leave this service and put a watch over my mouth lest I sin against you. Prepare our hearts to receive the message that you gave me to bring to the people. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you make me sensitive to what you are saying and to repeat what I hear you say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Every year at the beginning of Advent, and when I'm getting, usually when I'm getting the Christmas decorations out, I always think about the Christmas when I was seven years old. That was a special year for me. Although I didn't know it at the time, and I didn't realize the significance of that Christmas, because it was the last Christmas for me of childhood innocence. I was extremely close to my grandmother, and when she passed away just a month after Christmas, my life was never the same. That was the Christmas that I saw a movie called The Littlest Angel. I had never seen it before, and I have never seen it since. And I had a hard time, I had to look it up because I had a hard time remembering everything about this movie. Including the name. I spent 24 hours looking up the name of this movie, trying to figure it out from what I remembered. That movie impacted me greatly. In the movie, the main character is a child angel that had been an orphan and had died at the age of four. Now I know that that's not biblical and that a human spirit cannot become an angel, but I didn't know that then. The littlest angel is always getting in trouble and having a difficult time adapting to angel life. And finally, he goes back to earth to retrieve a box of childhood treasures. And because he has that box, He's able to stop getting into trouble. It keeps him occupied. Then 
there is an exciting event that occurs in heaven, and the Son of God is to be born. So all of heaven scurries to bring their gifts to the throne of God. And the littlest angel brings his treasure box humbly to give as a gift to the Christ child. That unselfish gift from the littlest angel was considered the best of all the gifts brought. And Father God turned that treasure box into the star of Bethlehem. I remember after watching this movie that I could do that too. I would give my most treasured possessions to the baby Jesus that Christmas Eve. I got my little jewelry box with a little ballerina and I filled it with my favorite things. I remember praying that Christmas Eve on the floor of my room in the dark, holding my little box of treasures and as I looked out in the moonlight and I prayed and I told God that I didn't have much, but I loved Jesus and he could have these treasures. I climbed in the bed that night fully expecting to wake up in the morning and that box would be gone. Of course it was still there, but I didn't worry over it much because I figured that baby Jesus must not have needed my treasures. This year at Christmas, as I happened to be up in my prayer room thinking about that, I was thinking about this Christmas and, and how I needed to finish all of the Christmas decorating and I remembered that movie and that last Christmas with my grandmother. And as I reminisced with the Lord over my silly childhood imaginations, the Lord asked me, what will you bring me this year? I was a little taken aback and I said, Lord, do you want me to bring you a gift? He said, if I did, what would you bring me? I thought about it for a moment and I was doing a quick inventory of things I could sell thinking that maybe he wanted me to make a donation somewhere. When Holy Spirit fell on me and I realized that God doesn't want any of these things or the money that they could bring. I said, Lord, my heart, I gift you my heart. It is the most valuable thing that I have. My love, my life and my allegiance are yours, Lord. Because that's really what it's all about. That's what our relationship with him is all about. That's all he wants from us. It's our heart and a laid down life to him. The scripture for today, well, one of the scriptures for today is Romans 10, 9. <clears throat> Romans 10, 9 <clears throat> says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There are no other requirements for salvation. None. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says, Let's see if I can find it. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians 1.9. says they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That scripture 
is about hell. That is what hell is. It is removal from the presence of God. Frank sent me a video the other night where a young woman was asking, doesn't the Bible say that if someone doesn't believe in God and accept God into their heart, they're going to eternal damnation? And the scholar that she was asking this question to said, yes. Then she says, how can something, meaning God, but she says, how, she calls God something, how can something love me and also give me pain? And how can something love me conditionally? That's not love. Love is unconditional. And if God loves me, then why would he send me to eternal damnation? And the scholar answered her in a way that was the best explanation I have ever heard given. And I've said this before, but he says it better than I do. He said, <clears throat> what does the Bible say about hell? What it clearly says, crystal clear, is heaven is relationship with God. Heaven is relationship with God. Being together with God. Hell is separation from God. That is Thessalonians 1.9 that I just read to you. And he said, and because God is tolerant and because God respects your free will, God refuses to force you to live now with him and then haul you away to heaven with him. He's not going to force it because he respects your free will. If you want to live your life separate from then, from, from him then, you will live your eternity separate from him, also in hell. It is your choice to live with him in heaven or to live without him in hell. I'm telling you all of this because God wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to walk with him. He wants to be a loving father to you. So much so that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in Jesus would not perish and would not die, but have eternal life. And I'm paraphrasing John 3.16. He simply wants us to seek him. He wants us to love him as he loves us. He is a loving father, and he wants us to trust him. He wants you to be a part of his family. When we go to Isaiah 30, 15, Isaiah 30, 15 says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. I want us to think about that for a second. In repentance, in repentance and rest. So resting in the sovereignty and in our salvation that we have been given in Christ, in the Lord. In quietness and trust in him, he becomes our strength. 
And if you go to Acts 3.19, here we go. In Acts 11.18 says, When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is us grafted in. This is us that are not Jewish. And it's through repentance that leads to life. For those of us that believe on him and are saved, we can still stumble in sin. That's the very reason we need to live a lifestyle of repentance. Because we can still stumble. We won't lose our salvation, but we will lose the we will lose the not the relationship. I'm trying to think of the word because this is not in my notes. We will lose the closeness with God. We will lose the companionship when we stumble and refuse to repent. Because it's not in our salvation is not our relationship. Our salvation is where we're going to spend eternity. Our relationship is in how we choose to behave when we sin. Because a believer can still sin. If we go to Revelation 3.3, I'll show you what I mean by that. So Revelation 3.3 says, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Oh, that's not... Okay, so this is a different translation. Oh, I'm in the wrong one. Sorry, I'm in Ephesians. I was like, wait a minute, why is this not? This is not what I pulled. <clears throat> so Revelations 3.3 says, Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. This is to the church of Sardis. If you look at that scripture, it is to the church of Sardis. These are believers and he's telling them, if you repent, keep it and repent. That says that we as believers can still sin and we need to stay in a lifestyle of repentance. That means, what does that look like today? So that means we messed up, we said something or did something we shouldn't have done. We had a heart of anger when we shouldn't have had a heart of anger. Or we did something that was sinful and we know it's sin because we are believers. And then when we realize it, we repent and say, Lord, I repent. So we're going to walk through this today. And I want everybody to close their eyes. And we're going to ask for freedom from this mindset today. This mindset that I don't need to repent. Because that's a spirit, it's a religious spirit that says, I don't have to do that. Lord God, I am a sinner. Repeat that after me. 
I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me for holding on to these things that I shouldn't. I repent of the sins of my past and ask your forgiveness. Jesus, I thank you that you are here with me. That you're going to walk with me through the hard things. I thank you for forgiving my sins. And you will remember them no more. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. That you arose on the third day so that I can live in eternity with you. I thank you that my addictions and bad habits are being broken right now in Jesus' holy name. Holy Spirit, we thank you that your healing touch is hovering over us here in this house. Cover me, Lord, with the blood of Jesus and wash me clean today. Break every chain and free me, Lord. I thank you for my freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can't have Christmas without Christ. And as we listen to the closing song, I want to ask you to ask the Lord what he is saying to you today. Heavenly Father, as we leave here today, Lord, bless all our days with your grace, guidance, and provision. Keep us safe and watch over us, Lord. We pray your sustaining presence will go with us and walk with us throughout our week and bring us safely back to your house again. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and for all the tithes and offerings that are received. Bless the ministries that we are sowing into and for the people that are being blessed by our faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.